0: Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B Podcast, brought to you as ever by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Josie Caro. Here's another conversation from our B2B Superpowers webinar series, this time with returning guest Tom Edwards, Digital Director at Archetype and host of the Complete Tech Heads podcast. For this one, we're discussing how to ensure that the content you're putting out isn't bland and stands out from the crowd, which is a common problem in B2B. Tom is a super informative guest and I loved being able to pick his brains once more. So without further ado, here is Tom Edwards on Breaking Bland, how to make your B2B content engaging. Just to set out our stall slightly, what are the key differences between B2B and B2C content and and how can we make B2B content just as engaging as that of B2C?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the 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 main difference is the clues in the name, right? So B two B is for business audiences, and B two C is for for consumers. So immediately, straight off the bat, you've you've got a far bigger, wider net that you're casting with B two C, um, and so you can leverage things like, you know, celebrity culture and sports and all of that sort of stuff that that has very, very large audiences um, to drive engagement. Whereas with B two B people tend to be a little bit more risk averse, I think, uh, mm. because you have a lot more um, sign-offs and you have a lot more kind of, um, a lot more built-in assumptions about who your audience is. Uh, and and people kind of tend to look at, you know, the LinkedIn audience targeting or whatever, and you see it's all directors and CEOs or whoever you're targeting. Um, and it does tend more to be on the senior side in my experience. Um, Which isn't necessarily, you know, the right thing to do, but it, but that's the way it is. That's where people believe the decision makers are. And so they think that they need to be more risk averse in, in targeting them because businesses are much more concerned about the way that they're presenting themselves. I think to these more kind of higher value target audiences. Um, so yeah, you tend to have, I think a little bit less, um, not creativity, but. But you tend to be a little bit more restricted in your creative routes with B2B. Um, mm. And so I think one of the ways that you can p- potentially bring your B2B content more in line with, with a kind of B2C outlook, let's say, is to take more risks and to try to think outside the box a little bit more and to encourage your internal stakeholders to um, push the boundaries a little bit um, would be my first kind of
0: stake in the ground. Well, in, t- in terms of that sort of the, the creativity side of things, then. So, what something that I've often found, with, you know, in in certain walks of life, is that restriction does often breed creativity. Um, so that's what you know. With Lee Francis being on the brand team myself, we really enjoy like, okay, so this is the the corridor we've got to fit into. What can we do within those restrictions? So I do enjoy that side of things. Yeah. But something that the, you mentioned quite early on in your answer was, you know, referencing celebrity culture or pop culture or something like that. Does that mean, you know, there is no place for that sort of discussion or ideas in B two B?
1: No, I don't think so. I think part of the reason is that that it those kinds of elements tend to be less relevant to the to the product that you're selling in B two B. So, you know, consumer brands, you know, like makeup brands or, or, or fast food brands or whatever, they'll have more kind of relevance to those celebrities. They'll be more of a um, more of a natural connection there, whereas with B two B, your influencers often will tend to be business people themselves, and so they tend to already have a job. Uh, and it's it's you know it's it's, it's difficult to find a, a a business influencer with a large enough audience that is going to be a, a price point that's going to work because it's it doesn't t- it's, it tends not to be their full time job. You know, a business influencer will tend to Already have a very you know well paid and time intensive job in their field and will tend to be kind of posting on social media in their in their spare time to build their own network and their own audience. So finding those brand partnerships tends to be a bit more difficult. Um, I mean, speaking about celebrity culture more generally, I think you definitely can. Um, and you know, the real golden um, nuggets are where you can find that crossover where there is you know popular culture is crossing over into what your business does, which people tend to refer to as B2B2C, right? Where you're talking to business people as consumers. Um, and there are lots of brands, you know, particularly tech brands that, that are tending to do that very well. Yeah,
0: I suppose on the, it's, it's I think it's, it's slightly easier to do on the social media side of things versus, you know, when we discuss content, you know, like emails, blogs, that sort of thing. On your your social side of things, I think there's definitely an appetite for um, propagating memes or something like that. Do you know what I mean? You know, referencing pop culture of the moment that, you know, capturing that zeitgeist, but then relating it back to your product. That's something that we very much leverage all the time.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, there was like, there are lots of cultural moments that businesses tend to get involved with. Like there was the Wes Anderson thing, right? uh, Where... Everyone was filming like skits in the style of Wes Anderson. There are lots of businesses that that jumps on that. The Roman Empire is another recent one where, you know, <laughs> how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I don't know if you've come across this, right? Yeah. Uh, so lots of businesses have, have been, you know, riffing on the, you know, thinking about the Roman Empire. And, you know, we've seen that a lot with, with our clients as well. And they, they tend to do well, you know, like if you can get involved in that cultural moment, I think it, there's a reason why memes you know explode and then drop off it's because we have this kind of inbuilt kind of social engagement mechanism where we all kind of want to get involved in the in the current thing right and and audiences of business business to business brands are are no different to to b2c brands in that regard i think they do tend to do quite well and again that kind of comes back to my earlier point which is the brands that, that are prepared to take a few more risks will be able to leverage that and and generate that engagement whereas if you've got a thousand sign-offs by the time you get to actually posting it it's it's old news and you don't get any engagement at all so and, and you look like you're behind the behind the time <laughs> you know so like it's um yeah if you're going to do that kind of thing you have to do it quickly and it has to be part of your kind of brand tone of voice as well it doesn't work for everyone and mm-hmm. if you are you know if you're working in a in perhaps a much more serious industry. You know, if you're like a, I don't know, cybersecurity firm or something, it might not work um, and it might not be the kind of thing that you want your brand to be talking about. So you've kind of got to define your brand tone of voice before you get involved in this. If you've got more of a kind of um, laid back, um, kind of personable brand, which, as I say, you tend to get a lot in in, in tech firms, mm. um, then you can get away with it. People kind of expect it more of, of, of that kind of company.
0: Are there uh, any examples of B2B companies that have you know successfully shared or created even engaging content and and what are the, the factors of those strategies that made them stand out?
1: Yeah, so I mean one one that really stood out to me was um a campaign that Fiverr did uh fiverr.com uh, you know with, with two hours um where they it was a well, they got all of their team to um change their their job titles on linkedin um and they put them to uh you know like kind of silly things or, or or things to do with their personality that aren't necessarily to do with their job like you know the person who complains about uh the washing up in the kitchen or whatever it was like you know uh creative producer and um you know dog mummy or you know whatever it is like little <laughs> things like that and it, it's i thought it was genius because um it's leveraging the algorithm right so people's job title changes get incredible reach because linkedin thinks that this is a really you know incredible life moment everybody congratulates people who who get who get a new job title or a, you know a promotion or a, or a move and so it it gets huge algorithm distribution and so it it worked perfectly i think i saw it everywhere on my feed um and because it was um leveraging that that Um, quirk of the algorithm Um, it did insane engagement and it also kind of told a a story about fiverr being a kind of friendly uh, fun Mm. brand and it they're a b2c brand you know they're marketing to freelancers and people who buy freelancers so it works across all of that because it's talking about your it's, it's aligning your job with your passion which is exactly what freelancers on on fiverr are doing so Um, yeah i thought that was really really clever and they they also combined it with like an out of home campaign as well so they put a lot of these silly job titles on on uh out of home ads so yeah thought that was very very clever um there's a there's there's a guy called uh rob mayhew i don't know if you've come across him he's a a a tiktok and and linkedin influencer he does different he does a few different brand partnerships um i think expedia is one of them he's done others but he does, he does skits about the marketing world. So, I mean, you'd love it. Uh, as with any marketers watching this, I'm sure most people watching this will have, will have probably already heard of him, but, mm. um, he kind of just puts a, um, kind of not sarcastic, but just, just a humorous slant on day to day business in mm. the marketing world, particularly the marketing agency world. But I think, you know, in house marketers will, will get it as well. You know, he kind of pokes fun at the pitch process and about, uh, you know, like how last minute, you know, creative ideas usually are, you know, he's, he's forever <laughs> about how, you know, yeah, we just made this idea up, you know, 12 hours ago. <laughs> and it's like the big, the big, uh, the big idea and stuff like that. Um, mm. So, so he's great. And again, I think that the, it's kind of links back to, to things we've been saying, which is that it's kind of marrying, it's taking B2B outside of that kind of stuffy, suit and tie you know serious 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 mentality and bringing it into a world of human beings who have quirks and foibles and are a bit silly um and that's why it works so well and that's why i get so much engagement and why it's you know people are like you look at the comments and it's just people saying you know lol this is this happened this exact same thing happened in my office last week you know whatever it's relatable um and and i think it's it's, it's difficult to be relatable if you're sticking strictly within your mm. business parameters to be relatable you have to be a human being
0: um and so that's why why he works so well um yeah so then so what what are the i mean we you, we've mentioned you know sticking to the the stuffy sort of suit is corporate um you know uh personas that you you put out with your content sort of thing what are the other common mistakes that that b2b companies make with their content
1: so i think the biggest one um which which is is like a timeless mistake is is talking about yourself and not talking about your customers uh which which happens a lot like often you look at a landing page and you can you can tell immediately whether it's talking to the customer or whether it's the business talking about themselves and you know audiences are interested in, in themselves as we all are, right? Like we people who are interested in themselves and what problems they have and what their day to day is. They're browsing social media, they're you know, taking time out of an otherwise very busy day doing something else um to, you know, get some you know updates on the industry, but generally stuff that's gonna entertain and engage and educate them. So the most important thing is to talk about your customer rather than you, um, and try to address their pain points try to address their lives, try to address what's 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 what 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 their what the vision of their future could be like if you work together rather than you know we've developed this amazing platform we've analyzed all of these you know millions of data sets we can do this and we can do that and we can do this it's like n- nobody nobody cares about how wonderful your algorithm is, but they might care if it turns out that that algorithm can really um, make a big impact to their day-to-day and make them look good in front of their boss and get them a promotion you know and then they can have the beach house and the you know the wonderful retirement (laughs) uh you know with a pina colada and uh you know a sun lounger right that's what that's where they want to get to help them get there you know with your amazing algorithm then then great then they're going to listen but yeah. Just build, you know, building your amazing algorithm and how wonderful you are. I, I don't think people are going to uh, be too interested in that's. that's so that's the, that's the thing that I see coming up most of all. Um, and I, I think you see the the biggest dichotomy on that is in, in in tech again. Like you see some tech brands that do it super super well, and others who fall into that hole of just raving about how how amazing they are and how clever they are and how mm. you know how many data points they've got. Um, yeah, and then and then the other one. I, as, as we've kind of already touched on is risk avoidance um you know i think in b2b there can be a tendency towards avoiding risk um playing it safe um but then you can't marry that with you know shooting for um extraordinary results you can't ask for a very ordinary you know compliance process and 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 risk um appetite and then expect out of the ordinary results so i think Mm. breaking down those barriers
0: to to taking a few risks is also uh, an important one it it is an incredibly tricky feat isn't it just to you know because here we're saying okay well you try and marry you know the zeitgeist creativity but maintaining that taking more it's not an easy thing to create an, an engaging piece of content is it at all so but what i wanted to ask you about tom is um you were saying there about you know showing your customers how your product, service, whatever it is that you're selling, how that can help their lives, and how you know can they see their future with you. Once, how how do you maintain that long lasting engagement and long lasting audience with those people? Long lasting
1: engagement with 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 like so what? How do, how do you how do you hold on to that engagement over? long period of time with yeah so
0: yeah getting convinced you know walking people to that door of saying hey stick with us because you know we can help you that's probably a cornerstone of it but what else can you do to keep them coming back to you almost making a community almost i suppose
1: yeah i mean so i think so there, there are obviously there are there are plenty of you know loyalty tactics that you can employ to to kind of keep people engaging with you I think it's also important to look at different platforms. So like I've found as a, you know, as a, as a, as a content creator outside of, outside of the day job, there's a big difference in the, in the consistency of engagement on different platforms. So I find, for example, with, so I'll, I'll do a, a, a podcast episode once a week, right. Um, which is video and audio. So the, the podcast audio audience, very consistent week after week. So it will, you know, it, it, it will grow pretty consistently. And it will fluctuate slightly, but you don't have—I don't ever have real dead weeks. Whereas on, you know, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, X, to a, to a lesser degree, actually, but um, I've got more more followers there. Um, <laughs> excuse me. That can really fluctuate. So if the algorithm doesn't like a piece of content on on YouTube, it just gets nothing, right? So it will give you your you know your first 500 impressions or whatever. If you're if you're not getting the click through rate off off of those, then it's just dead. Um, whereas, the, the, you know, the other side is that it, it can shoot up, and you can be hitting you know thousands and thousands of views um, if it does like it. But it will it will fluctuate to a far greater degree, and that's the same with LinkedIn as well. So, understanding the differences between platforms is is really important. And so, stuff like podcast you will find is much more consistent. Think Email is an interesting one as well because you own the de- you own the data with email. Um, you have much more insight into the nuts and bolts of, of where your engagement is coming from. And if you get email right, you can make that much more consistent. You can get to a stage where people are opening every one. Um, so like companies like BuzzSumo do that really well. I open every, every email I get from BuzzSumo because it's full of really genuinely interesting insight, which I know is relevant to me and my job all about social media all about the algorithms all about what's trending all of that stuff so um you can build up those kinds of habits and the different the difference we're talking about here really if you think you know email and podcasts on one side and linkedin youtube platforms on the other is ownership of the distribution right so with podcasts and email the data's the the, the the customers are yours you're distributing your your content to them pretty directly i mean certainly mm. with email less so with with podcasts because obviously you're going through apple and spotify but it, it's a much closer relationship whereas youtube and uh and linkedin and you know, instagram and whatever else you're very dependent on their distribution um and it's it's about what that they, so they'll test it among a few audiences that they think are relevant by the keywords and then and then that's it. Subscribers aren't as important as they used to be on YouTube anymore. So, so yeah, I think that's that's the main thing is understanding your different platforms, and obviously, embedded in that point is consistent quality. Um, and I think as an individual, it's much more difficult. So, you know, I will find it's you know I have duff weeks, right? Because sometimes it, 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 it's just me. Um, and we're human beings; we fluctuate in our in our abilities. You know, sometimes we have a, a bad week, right? Um, Whereas as a as a business, as a marketing team, you should be able to maintain the quality. If you've got a good team um, and you've got ideas coming in from different places and you've got that kind of agile quick sign-off process to, to make sure that good stuff is going out quickly, that you're tapping on those trends, then maintaining that consistent quality over time should mean that people keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think you will tend to see It's like the 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 stability comes from the owned data, but the growth will tend to come from the 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 platforms because if you do if you do strike gold, then it will shoot up into the sky. And then hopefully, what you can do is by maintaining your consistent quality over time, you can harvest some of that some some of the audience that audiences that have come in over that one you know successful piece of content make them stick around. And so, if you can get a few peaks. But from every one of those peaks, you've got a percentage of them that are sticking around for the more consistent, ongoing relationship,
0: then you'll be doing well. That's it, isn't it? It's something perhaps we've not particularly mentioned too much because, you know, for for us, it's kind of inherent, isn't it? But you want to be offering genuine value as well as like, you know, if you can if it if it's entertaining as well, then that's 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 that's, you know, the high country, isn't it? But you do have to offer genuine value, as you mentioned, your the emails that you open consistently it's because there is something useful in there for you yeah um yeah. so no, right. that I, I think that's a that's a really that's a crucial point actually and and knowing the platforms as well i think you're you're absolutely spot on it's it's really interesting what you said about you know obviously the audio podcast they're a lot more consistent than yeah. know, the other bits that's cuz it's people on their way to work is while they're doing yeah yeah and it's it's monday it's a new complete decade you know so (laughs) right yeah
1: exactly and it's, it's habit forming yeah exactly um and yeah so being consistent you know i try to publish on the same day every week uh because i'm trying to build those habits and look i'm sure it's the same same for you i'm sure you're always thinking about how can we build the the habits where we're providing value on a regular basis so that people know that they want to come back um so yeah i think it's 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 important to, you know, consistency above all else is, uh, you know, is what I would say. I I think that that's, you know, going back to the, the, you know, your previous question about what mistakes to to brands make. I think another big one is inconsistency. So they'll try like SEO is the classic one, right? But, you know, they'll try SEO for like three months and then not see any results and then assume that SEO is not going to work for them. It's like, well, you know, SEO. You're not going to see any results for at least six. You know, and really, your SEO strategy should be looking years ahead. You know, mm. because it's just that's that's the way it works. Ditto, any kind of um, digital marketing campaign. Really, like if if you're not consistent over time, but like you know, you see brands doing podcasts as well, and they'll do six, right? And they'll 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 throw the kitchen sink at six, um, and then they'll get some listens, and it'll do okay, and they'll get some engagement. But because it hasn't immediately paid back the ROI uh, that you know that they spent on it, um they'll say, "Well, no, we tried podcasts, it doesn't work." And mm. It's like, "Well, look, you look at any podcast look at look at the biggest podcasts in the world, you know, look at Lex Friedman or or Joe Rogan. They've been doing it for years, mm. and it's it's hockey stick growth. it's you know you you have to keep going with with very little engagement beyond the point where it feels like it's not doing anything. And only then will you will you start to grow, you know, Um, and that's that's something that I think people are guilty of. um, But brands certainly are, because, you know, on a brand level, you've you've obviously in the meantime, you've got people changing, you know, in the agency and in the company. You've got um, budgets changing every quarter. There's a reassessment of what's working and what's not. And so things get budgets get pulled, budgets get reinvested elsewhere so it's it's even more difficult to maintain consistency um as a as a brand but if you can you'll you'll reap the rewards in my opinion absolutely um but like you guys right so i mean you've been you've been really consistent with these and like uh, i i i suspect it's 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 you know you're reaping rewards right oh uh, well yeah we yeah the the
0: yeah I, definitely the the consistently the consistency is definitely um has definitely helped put us a, a bit further ahead of where we have been previously. A hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I see your
1: content in my feed all the time, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, and 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 also like you know, obviously I've I've got a relationship with you guys. I've done one of these before, and you know, I, you know, we I, I, I know a few you, of your of your of uh, your colleagues over at Lead Forensics. Um, so I'm I'm aware of you. But if I wasn't, and I'd 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 seen that content in my feed every week even if i'm just scrolling past most of them mm. i'm still recognizing it and you know if you do that you you compound that over years it's it's going to be just a much higher degree of brand recognition than just doing a few seeing how it goes and then trying
0: something else absolutely yeah so well no, I'm, I'm pleased that you know we're we're reaching to you thomas uh, yeah, very yeah, encouraging yeah. <laughs> um do you have any tips on, because something that, particularly with um video, something that comes to mind, and this may seem like a sort of roundabout way of saying this, but it will come to a a, 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 a point that's worth making. Uh, there's such a thing with video content as the millennial pause. Are you aware of the millennial pause, Tom? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I, it, it, it was kicking around online a, a while ago, wasn't it? Is it where you, the video starts and then you don't say anything for a second because you're waiting mm. for it to start recording? Whereas Gen Z, their phones Sorry. have got much better, and so they start talking straight away.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. So, and right. if you know if there is a pause, they just skip to the next thing. So, uh, it's sort of to illustrate. Um, there's a point to illustrate my next question for you. If you've only got you know a fraction of a second to grab somebody's attention, have you got any tips on? crafting like attention grabbing introductions for b2b content not necessarily video it could be you know about subject lines for emails anything like that a, a thumbnail what are, what are your thoughts on that one
1: yeah well i mean you're absolutely right on video like you've got very very little time to engage people um and yeah look it's difficult i i think so at a general point people people tend to um, engage with faces human faces people like faces um yeah, which obviously has obvious evolutionary grounding right like we we respond to other people's faces especially attractive faces so if you've got you know if you've got someone with an attractive face <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't know how how this show is going to do in that context so <laughs> you and me uh, we do our best um but but yeah uh, so yeah faces faces are good like i think generally with with this point you know if i was speaking pre AI revolution I would have said some things but I think that generative AI has kind of thrown the rule book into the bonfire now it's like because usually you say well you know like try and get um, some kind of original engaging imagery get lots of bright colors whatever but everyone's got that now uh you know everyone's got you know everyone's using midjourney and all of their visuals look incredible um, people are you know and I, I would have said you know if you've got just a static then you know maybe try to do something with with motion that's all really easy to do now and lots of people are doing that. So yeah, I like I I think the most important thing really is is testing and learning and leveraging AI to try a bunch of stuff and see what works because it, the, the the opportunity cost now to creating a high volume of different assets for the same kind of message is is much smaller. So you can do that much easier. Um so you can yeah you can try out a bunch of stuff and, and, and see what sticks. There is also like you know there are some uh psychological quirks of of humans that you can leverage so um you know faces is one of them um but also uh the color red um it it tends to signals danger and um and there is a, a negativity bias as well which doesn't work for all brands i think b2b brands tend to steer clear of this but you see it in we see it on youtube you know everything is you know terrifying or someone destroys someone else or it's you know, like this um shocking and and with a negative slant tends to do really well and like you, you get it in pr as well so if you you know you put out a press release if it's got a like you can if you've got a data story and there are there are two ways you can phrase it one is like x percent of people think everything's great or the other one is x percent of people think everything's terrible the one where everything's terrible is much more likely to get picked up by journalists because journalists have this negativity bias. And the reason journalists have the negativity bias is because they know that their readers have the negativity bias. And I, I used to be a journalist um, and a digital journalist, you know, at, at Telegraph and, and the Sun. And you see it, you see it when you because you you get immediate feedback on articles that you publish. Yeah. And obviously, they've got big audiences. So it's it's large data sets. And you see that the the articles that have got, um, yeah, some kind of negativity bias will tend to be more engaging. Um, but, yeah, with B2B, obviously, you're always balancing that with the fact that you don't
0: necessarily want that to be your the perception of your brand. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But like, like you say, we'll, we'll stick with the positive note on that, Tom. We'll yeah. stick with some nice, happy faces. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 i mean obviously the ideal one is nice happy good looking face awful world is collapsing headline (laughs) and then everyone's going to click yeah uh
0: tom i'm going to start to wrap up our conversation here today you've uh, as ever offered up some incredible value for our audience on how to create b2b content which is engaging but if i could ask you for just one top tip one absolute golden rule for everybody watching this to take away with them today what would that one piece of advice be god um i
1: don't know i i I guess the the the, the big (laughs) thing now is it's it's a point that i've kind of already made but it is um uh, well i'll combine two points so it's the risk-taking point and the ai point right so my my advice would be use ai to test and learn and Take some risks and do things differently uh, and throw out a load of content out there because we're a very unique moment in history where you can do that. You can you can wh- whatever level you're at within an organization, whether you've got design experience or developer experience or or whatever. You've got if you've got none of those, you can create stuff. Um and so we're we're really on the on the brink, I believe, of a golden age of creativity. And that will be the case in marketing as it will be in the world more broadly. So make best use of it would be my advice. Um, get out there, have some ideas, put them into practice, show people around you what you're doing and try to kind of put them out there into the world because there's a,
0: a lot of opportunity right now. Excellent stuff. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your B2B superpowers with us today. Remember to keep an eye on Lead Forensic Socials for news of our upcoming webinars, and we will see you again very, very soon. But for now, Tom, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Joe. Great to see you.
0: Well, there we go. That was Tom Edwards on Breaking Bland, how to make your B2B content engaging. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of Essential B2B.